I'm going to speak to you on the topic of generosity because that's how these mission projects get done. And I might just preempt something I was going to say by um, talking about the fact because we have our faith promise giving, we, there's always enough in the storehouse to be able to give. And these last two years in the world have been tough. And I know of uh, a couple uh, of the people that we support that have personally thanked us for not stopping the, our support because so many of them got letters that, you know, from other churches and individuals saying, I'm sorry, you know, we're just our giving's down. We're not able to support you. So what happens to the missionary? What happens to the project? Because now they're, they're, that's, they're dependent on the gifts of God's people. But because we use the, the process of faith promise giving and regular giving, there is always that funds there. We can budget and say, we know we're going to get it to you. And to tell you uh, uh, a wonderful report is that during uh, COVID and lockdown, our missions giving stayed steady and even went above what we expected to get. So it's great to be able to do that. So we want to just talk about generosity today and what it does in our life and how important it is. And we're going to talk about a couple of churches in the New Testament and the motivations behind both of them and some of the things that they were able to do and not do. Generosity is a lifestyle, and it's something that we can grow into. We may not be brought up in that. Uh, we might be from a background that's different, but as a Christian, we come with a new nature and a new lifestyle, and generosity is a very important part of it. This last week in our church, we had, uh, not our church, in our community, we had our West Care charity auction. West Care is our care arm of our church, and it has grown in these decades to something really prominent in our community. And a wonderful thing has happened in that our business community have just taken it on as this is the, this is, this is the charity we support. And I have to give glory to God and a lot of thanks to Andrew Paik, who is a pastor on our team, who that's his sole job. He's the director of West Care. And yes, he sees to all the um, projects and everything that we do and how it all happens, but he is out in the community every day building relationships. And it's like he's become a pastor to the community. He's like, rather than coming to our church, it's our church going out to them. And they have a real confidence and a trust in him. And so many of them have come to him privately with concerns and asked him to pray or help get his counsel. Uh, every week he's out with the men's walk and talk, which is a, doing a lap of our river of how many kilometers is that, Dave? Seven. Seven kilometers. And it's a Thursday night. Uh, meet up where men in our community just walk side by side. And it, their, their theme is never walk alone. And it's to combat depression and particularly suicide. And so he has met so many people and had those talks. This last week we had the Are You OK Day, last Thursday. And that, that's just an area, one of the areas that Westcare is involved in. And so our community turned out in force for uh, a dinner that the coffee club there uh, generously donated the, the whole venue, closed the venue to the public, donated the venue, all of the food, all of the staff, 45 staff, volunteered without pay, came and volunteered to put on that dinner. All things that were donated, huge Huge items, like the bidding went right beyond me <laughs> very quickly, but all up $219,000 was raised. Now, that is generous, and you can do a lot of good with that. And, you know, through COVID, 
um, Westcare had a hard time. And in the midst of it, last year, the building where our office is, our main center, we have a couple places of town. We have a op shop uh, as well. And the, the building where we are housed uh, caught fire. And everything, everything was destroyed. All the food storage, all the freezer space, all the infrastructure, uh, uh, computers. We had a backup, thankful, that the backup was on Andrew's computer to everything. But we lost it all. And still waiting on insurance to sort that out. But through that time, we were able to keep going because of generosity. Penrith Panthers, <laughs> just mentioning, Penrith Panthers um, gave us temporary offices in the stadium where they have office space. And so we set up there. So <laughs> and then when they build their future um, stadium, the, the plan is to allow Westcare to operate from there. Now, is that favor and God's blessing? And now that's generosity of just the people in our community. So how about us, church? How should we be? If, if community members can rise to that and say, here's a need. We see people trying to help out. We can help it. We have, we have the means to do that. So we can give some money and make a difference. And that's not even coming from a Christian perspective. So as excited as I am about that result, it also goads me on and going, okay, all right, we can step up. And you know, maybe we can't step up in the sums that a business person could do, but we can do what we can do, you know? And so each of us need to look at that. So we're going to talk about the work that generosity does in when we give to others, but I think equally as important what it does in our lives. Um, I'll just read this statement. Generosity loosens the grip of the material world as we discover that we own things and things do not own us. You know, sometimes I've, know, I've seen my husband do this very thing that he's had something that maybe he liked too much. You know, it just had too much of his attention. And he's felt God say, give it away. Just give it away. Lose the grip of that thing. It has too much power over you. <laughs> has too much of your affection. And so he gives it away. And it loosens that grip. And, and sometimes he'll say, I just feel like God's telling me I need, to, I need to give some money away. I need to do something. You know, he just, the Spirit of God helps us not give in to the, the, the ways of the flesh and how we could go down to that. Let's just pray together. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. As we look at your word today and as we look at these thoughts that help us, Father, I pray that your spirit will rest on us. And Lord, that you will just help us to rise up to this great uh, thing called generosity. Lord, I know it's of your spirit. I know it's uh, something that you desire for not only to help the people in the world through us, but to also help us. And we pray in Jesus' name for your spirit to bless this. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, you know, generosity is an exercise for your soul and for your heart. And we just had a visual of what a, an actual human heart looks like. And there are exercises. David, trainer David, in a former life, would tell you what can happen when you get your heart rate up and what you have to do to sustain it and to get your heart strong. Well, generosity is a uh, exercise for your heart to keep your spiritual heart strong right in the midst of you. 
It's a willingness to be large, to be enlarged and share and meet the needs of others. And it's an enlargement of the heart that is followed by an action. It's not just a feeling, it's an action. It's something we have to do, ready to give of ourselves, our possessions, our finances, whatever, to be open-handed and unselfish in what we have. Years ago, the word generous, as we define it maybe differently now, but in generous, it was synonymous synonymous with the word for a nobleman. They would be a generous person, would be someone of a noble stature, someone who had some wealth, because the expectation was there are two classes of people, the wealthy and the poor, the people that have and the people that have not. And we, you know, in our more recent days, now we have a middle class in our society, and so we don't think in those ways, but it basically was those that have should be generous, they should give, to those that do not. I'm going to read the scripture that was on your screen just a moment ago, and it's the theme for this um, time of teaching. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. It says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And I'm wondering if Paul was referring and thinking through the verse in Proverbs that says, There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who without, withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. Now, in Paul's time and, and, and for many, many years, we were all an agrarian society. A lot of people just lived from the land. They lived to produce enough for themselves. And if they had a good crop, they might be able to sell some of that and make some extra money. And so the, the sowing of seed, and I have here some barley seeds that I brought from my kitchen. And they used to, um, large seeds, and they do this with rice, and they, I don't know how we do now today. We've got machines to do this, but in maybe some developing nations, they still uh, scatter by broadcasting. They sow the seed, by, they throw it out. And so you, it's not like, you know, if you were going to plant a field of barley, how hard would it be to be down on your hands and knees and go, okay, one, okay, Move over two centimeters, two, move over two centimeters. You know, you might be years, <laughs> not just days. You might be, it might be coming up on the other side of the field by the time you got the other bits done. You couldn't do it. It's impossible. And so it was the way of scattering was a generous way of scattering. If I had this in my hand, um, I, when I brought this message at our church back in Penrith, I was given permission to just go ahead and throw it out, <laughs> which I did, and because I knew somebody was going to vacuum it up for me, so I won't do that. <laughs> but if you if you were sewing, you would have a, like a bag around you uh, that'd be like slung, sling bag, and you would reach into that bag and you'd throw that seed out and just keep throwing that seed out. And you know Jesus, um, the parable of the sower. That's exactly what we see what happens. You throw it out, and you have to throw it out in such quantity that some of it might get on the wayside. Some of it might fall on the stony ground. Some might fall in, in other ways that, or where the birds pick it up. But some of it will land on good soil. And when it lands on the good soil, then it can take root and it can grow. And when we are generous, we want to be careful, of course, in our, our missions giving that we're giving to 
um, causes and to people that we have relationship with. So we're not just sloppy sowing, but we are sowing generously. We're not going, okay, now, how, how, how little can we give here? No, how much can we actually give? Because it's a worthy need. So they all understood that method of sowing. We don't necessarily understand that method of sowing. And sometimes in our minds and in our actions, we're a little bit just too meticulous, one little seed at a time. How about we think about a biblical viewpoint of generosity, and that is sowing, sowing seed in an abundance way. Amen? Amen. So 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to repeat, he who plants few seeds will have a small crop. He who plants many seeds will have a, a large crop. That's being abundance-minded, generosity-minded. Now, I want to talk about the Macedonian churches and the Corinthian church. They are a real contrast, and they teach us so much about generosity. And to put it very simply, the Macedonians largely lived in poverty. They had very little, whereas the Corinthians were wealthy. The Corinthian is on that small little isthmus of land. They were a port city. They were a crossroads in the ancient world. They were cosmopolitan. They had lots and lots of resource and commerce. They had lots of money. But they had a, a, not a good, generous attitude towards money. In fact, they were kind of stingy. And do you remember Paul talking about how that when he was amongst them that he made, he made tents and Priscilla and Aquila were there as well. And he provided with his own hands because they didn't or they were begrudging to do it. And yet he was worthy of their support to take care of him. But he went ahead and supported himself and ministered there for a couple of years on his own back. And because this wealthy people just could not be bothered to share, what to miss out, to miss out on supporting the great apostle Paul. Now, if they knew who he was and who we would appreciate him for who he is or he was, they might have had a different attitude, but they certainly didn't then. So um, the Macedonian churches are the churches of Philippi and Berea and Thessalonica. And so this was an area that was in Asia Minor, and they were uh, missionary stations that Paul had set himself up in there. And so they supported Paul, and beyond, even when he wasn't there, they were looking after him. And Paul used the example of the Macedonians to try to stir up the Corinthians. And the Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And that's what Paul was trying to do. He was he was not being he wasn't being bragging. He wasn't being uh, ornery. <laughs> he was trying to say, "Look, these people have so little and give so much. You have so much and you give so little. Now, how should that be?" So he was trying to motivate them, and it was a it was a good motivation. And what he was uh, doing, what he was asking them to put aside their, their money and their treasure for is what we now call the Jerusalem offering. So for the church, where the mother church in Jerusalem, where the church actually started, now was a time of persecution. Some years later, there was a famine, and they were not doing very well, and they needed some help. And so Paul organized, along with others, to take up this special offering to help them in their need. And that's what we should do as believers, right? Right. 
but it wasn't like online transfer. You know, we can do now. What's your bank account details? I'll send you the money. No, they had to go and collect from all the churches and make a huge journey uh, from the Macedonian area to Jerusalem is about 1,500 kilometers. And I don't think we appreciate just how far that is in ancient terms. Um, and it was a land uh, travel as well as by sea to get to Jerusalem. So it was a huge thing. And travel in the ancient world was really dangerous. It was difficult and it was dangerous and it took a long time to do it. So this was no little thing to do what they did. And so Paul uh, told them, pre prepare, prepare an offering. Uh, I'm coming to do this. I want you to be ready. It would be embarrassing if you weren't ready because, I mean, they had a lot of notice on this one to get there. And Paul used proper planning. He used the gifts of administration and accountability because he didn't come alone to receive that offering. He came with a, a company of people and they would be accountable for what they were going to do. And I think that is something that we do when we... We bring you a report when we talk about what we do, what we do with our money, how, that we plan to do it, we administrate it well, and then we tell you what has happened with it. And so that's a pattern we see in the New Testament that I think really helps us today. So when Paul um, was uh, in touch with the Philippian church and he wrote his letter to the Philippians, he wasn't there. He was elsewhere. And he wrote this verse that we find so familiar, Philippians 4, verse 13, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, we love to quote that, don't we? But let's look at it in the context. Like, do quote that because that is a great confession for your life. But look at it in the context. And verse 14 says, even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. The great apostle Paul, nobody else helped him, but the Macedonians and the Philippians did that. So he could do all things through the strength of Christ, but part of Christ's provision to strengthen him was this financial help that was given him. And, you know, if you have ever been out on, uh, in, a, in a mission, I know we have some missionaries amongst us, you really are dependent on that help. When we first came to Australia 35 years ago, this last August is our 35th anniversary of our life in Australia, we came on a mission salary. And we depended on that. And it wasn't huge. <laughs> it, was, it was very, very meager what we lived on and worked our way. But we were willing to do that, and we, and, but we were totally dependent as well. And so we were so grateful for our church in America that sent us the money for those first few months as we got established. It was a real great help for us. So the Philippians were an answer to Paul's need, and they were an answer to his prayer. And I'm wondering today if when we give our finances to missions, if perhaps we are answers to someone's prayer. Who's, who's on the other side of that faith promise giving? Who's on the other side of that missions giving? Well, you might be an answer to someone's prayer. We need to be world Christians. We need to have an awareness. We have the ability to have an awareness of everything that's happening on, a, on the earth. Just turn on your phone right now. I'm not saying don't do it, but please don't do it. But if I said, turn on your phone right now, what's happening in the world? You would turn to whatever, CNN, BBC, 
um, whatever ABC, you would be able to click on and go, what is happening in the world? And the top headlines would happen in the world. And you know, you can scroll through the events of the world in maybe five minutes, possibly less than that. And sometimes you go, oh, you know, th this is happening. There's a war there. Oh, there's, there was a terrible flood there. Oh, there was. And we can actually get numb, you know? It's like you scroll and you went, okay, right, now I've got to go pick up the kids. We need better awareness than that. So it's not just fact. It's the reality of what is happening in our world. And I believe that we in the West can have that capacity, not only with our finances, but with our heart. We can have an enlargement of soul to go, I have enough. I am blessed. There is a need. I can, I can help. We can't help with every need, but we can help with some. And if we do it collectively, if we concentrate our finances in a certain area, everything that you saw in that report and more, we can do. And as, as a church and a group of churches, we, we have a, a great privilege and we are greatly effective in what we do. And some of the, the amounts that we are able to give are astounding, like the um, feeding almost 2,000 prisoners in the Congo. That is an amazing feat. And that's what twice the, um, the press and the media have been out to watch this because it's unheard of. Then Dr. Sassin, who's, uh, who we also support with the Selpa Hospital in Bukava, he, he is the the point man for this, and he is such a man of integrity, and they, they, they look at him and they say, okay, this is newsworthy, <laughs> and they get out with reporters and television, and, and it's just amazing, uh, the profile that that has brought to the work that he's doing, and he does everything with uh, the thought of bringing men and women to Jesus Christ, helping them with their medical needs and dental needs and other areas that they've branched out into, but also sharing the gospel. So it's twofold, and it's wonderful. And, and just to have an awareness of that, and not to just be saturated with news and then, oh, that's too bad, or I don't think I'll look at the news because it makes me you know, feel... Um, you know, anxious or something. So why should we care? And why did the Macedonians care? We have to be concerned not just with our own selves, but the needs of other people. And it's not enough uh, to be concerned at home, but we might find ourselves in a situation going, I don't know what I have to share. You might be a person who could scatter, or you might be a person who can just give the one, two, three, whatever you can do of the seeds, but you know what? That's participating. That's being a part with us all together. And, it, and it's absolutely honorable before the Lord. And you should feel a real big part. I used to have my missions faith promise back when I was a young mom in America. I could give $5 a month. That's all I could give because it came out of my grocery money. I had no other spendable income. And I regularly, when I would grocery shop, I would always keep a tally of what I had in the, in the trolley because probably I have to put something back. And so I had to squeeze that money out of the money I had. And associate pastor's salary, one, one income in our house. And that's how I did it. But it was $5 a month. But you know when I gave that every month, I put it in my envelope, cash. I put it in an envelope. I put it in the offering plate. I could feel it in my heart. I could feel like I did something. You know, it come from the heart. It was all I could do, but I did something. 
And it meant I cared and I was participating. So can I encourage you? Let's, let's be churches that every one of us get behind what we're doing. Let's do this together. Let's have a heart of generosity and recognize that generosity is a different level for wherever we are in our finances. Okay, so the Macedonians, they had a grace for giving. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 8, now he's trying to stir these Corinthians up. He's trying to show them what generosity looks like. He said this, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of their very severe trial, their overflowing joy, and their extreme poverty, how's that in the same sentence? Welled up in rich generosity. That's a grace from God that was on their life to do that. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able. Now, how could God require anything more than that? How could you expect to do anything more than that? What are you able to do? They gave as much as they were able. And then, he says, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. So they gave as much as they were able, and then they just went beyond that. So then that becomes not generosity, that becomes selflessness. And that's a whole nother level, isn't it? Yeah. So grace, what is grace? It's a divine favor. It's a divine enablement. And the salvation of Jesus Christ had come to the Macedonian churches. They knew the grace of God for salvation, but now they had an extra extra measure of grace upon their life. They lived in extreme poverty, and God gave them grace for generosity in the midst of poverty. Wow, that's stirring me. It's making me think, wow, they could do that, and God gave them the grace to do that. He could do it for me. He could do it for us in our generation. They were in extreme poverty. That means rock bottom. That's the depths. They were as far down as you could possibly be. So how do we respond when we have trials and difficulties and when we have some financial stress in our lives? Do we complain? Do we uh, try to get out of stuff? Or do we run to God and say, please help me? And so their severe poverty actually propelled them towards God rather than being angry at God or, God, it's your fault. Why aren't you providing for me? I, need, I can't be giving to anything else because I can't even meet my own needs. Instead, it drove them to God, propelled them towards him. His grace came upon them. He enabled them to give. And we find Paul says, they even begged me to let them give because their poverty was such that we'd go, we should be sending an offering to you guys too because you need help. But instead they said, no, we want to be a part of this. The gospel came from Jerusalem. It went out from there. We want to help the church there. And it was just no two ways about it. They just had to do it. So we also read in this verse about that they, um, they had a severe trial, but they had overflowing joy. So what's, that, is, that is another level as well in generosity, is to be joyful about it. It's, it should be more than just an administrative task. And these days, um, and especially since COVID and, and lockdown, we shifted right to online giving, as, as you are doing, and very little cash giving. I actually miss passing <laughs> the offering buckets around and just that moment of putting something on. And so when... You know, I click online and I, I go to my bank account and I, I look up there and, I, and I'm, I've already got it designated, you know, where I'll give my missions faith promise. So I've got that all locked in. But I, I pause to take a moment 
to experience the fact that I'm not just doing an administrative thing of clicking and, and transferring funds, but I stop and I say, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to give to missions, to be a part of what we're all doing together, to be generous. And I stop and then I click. <laughs> and it's also different these days, but it still can be meaningful because it should come from our heart. So joy is something that's not dependent on our circumstances. Joy, probably we need to preach more on joy and just recognize that that is part of our possession. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so we want to have the joy of the Lord in our everyday life, but we want especially to have the joy of, our, of the Lord when we give our gifts to God. So we forget that sometimes and we just do it mechanically and Paul said to the Corinthians again he's trying to set them up to do this joyfully and he said we must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully so we each have to examine our heart and go what is my motivation I certainly have given to pressure before in the past and I can remember how awful that felt like no, I didn't do that with joy. I just felt like I was being pressured to do that and, you know, wrangled to do that. We're not trying to do that to you. And, and this, this sermon is not that to do that either. It's just to give you some tools to work with, some thoughts to think about, some measure within your heart to know what to do. Paul quoted uh, from De- Deuteronomy 15.10. It says, give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord will bl- God will bless you in everything you do. To give cheerfully, or as Paul wrote that word there, that's the Greek word hilaros, where we get the word hilarious. So have you ever heard anybody talking about hilarious giving? And now is that just being silly? You know, is that telling jokes while we take up the offering? Or <laughs> No, it's, it's, uh, it's a word that means um, cheerfully attractive, willing, favorable, prompt to do. And uh, it's that kind of giving that God loves. There's a man in our church that um, is very generous. And because he's a good friend, sometimes we talk and he will um, talk about anticipation that he has that he's going to be able to give a very large missions gift. And when he does, he starts to giggle. He absolutely starts to giggle. And it's like, God has just been so good. And I am so excited that we're going to be able to next month give that amount and, you know, you just see the joy that's in him. Now, we don't talk with every church member like that. But because we're close friends, we can have that kind of conversation. And I would say he is a hilarious giver. He is just absolutely delighted to think that and astounded that God would bless him, bless his business. And now he's been able to sow and sow generously. And that's, that's, that's hilarious. Joy is attractive. Don't you like it when you see a group of people laughing and you want to know, What's, what's the joke? What's so funny? You want to get in on it. Well, how about we just be a people of joy that are hilariously cheerful in our gifts and our giving, and everybody will say, I want to get in on that. <laughs> okay. And then finally, Paul talked about them giving of their own free will, and our missions giving is a free will offering, and they were generous with what they did because they gave willingly. They each decided what they could do, and then they took it a little bit further, as we see in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 3 and 4. It says, For I can testify 
that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. So it's a free will. It's a choice. It's what they wanted to do. It's what they could afford and then something more. And they begged for the privilege of giving. I have not ever seen that level yet <laughs> in church life saying, oh, where's the offering? Because I, I want to give something. I, oh, I don't want to miss it. Please don't put it away. I want to give something like I can't go home until I put something in. <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. But evidently, it has been witnessed in the earth before. There have been Christians like that. But then there's something more significant, even so. Not just their free will, not just their generosity, not just all that. But in verse 5 of Corinthians 8, it says, They even did more than that we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So before you give the gift of your offering which represents your finances, which represents your work, and your work represents your life. So let's get things in the right order. We give God our lives. And if we give God our lives above everything else, then anything else that is of what our life consists, we give ourselves to him, and we will give from it. And how many times have we stood in a, a service and raised our hands and said, Lord, I give you my whole life. I give you my everything. But then we go, oh, missions. Oh, no, I forgot about that this way. <laughs> so we can get a little bit caught out on that one. And so we want to give our life, first of all, to the Lord. And giving is a heart response to the God who has given us everything through Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says, and every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. All because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all our hearts. So our, our method and our ways of what we do must come from a heart that is first of all given to him. And I just want to close with a thought that is actually a thought from the secular world. Um, how about that? They could teach us. And so this is some 12 rules for ordering your money from a secular businessman's site trying to put some sort of value culture into businessmen. And I was astonished because I thought, you could preach this. And this is what it says. Develop generosity. A heart filled with gratitude expresses itself with generosity. Generosity kills greed. As you acknowledge that all you have in light of the needs of those around you, you'll find yourself feeling genuinely grateful in ways you may have not experienced before. Generosity will become the natural outflowing of your grateful heart. Now that comes from the business world. How about what we read in the Bible? Shouldn't we be motivated, encouraged on to develop generosity within? So I'll just close and I'll hand it back to Dave. Thank you for your patience and listening. 
It's been good to be with you. And, uh, you know, I'll be back down in a couple weeks to hang out during the week with Dave and Joe. You can't keep me away from those grandkids. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for in church Canberra. Thank you for the fine people, the good-hearted people of this church. I thank you for the men and women, the young people, and the boys and girls, all of them participating fully in the in the plan of God and doing the work of the kingdom. And Lord, I just pray a blessing upon our church. And I pray, Lord, your hand for good and favor will be upon them. And I pray that you'll bless them in their lives. You'll bless them spiritually. You'll bless them prosperity-wise. You'll bless them with good health and meet every single need. And Lord, we just together want to glorify you in the name of Jesus. Amen.